for me and my story um, and what I tell others is that like it, it was successful because of the passion that I had. You know, I, I myself was so invested in the product and, and I was a user of my own product. Welcome to Honesty Commerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. And today, I'm welcoming the show Lucas Cow. Lucas is the founder and CEO of Squid Industries, an American manufacturing company with a focus on the butterfly knife and trainer industry. Lucas, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Chase. It's an honor. Awesome. I'm excited to dive in. So I alluded to it. Uh, you've got a big focus on butterfly knives and, and the, the trainers that go along with that. Can you elaborate a bit more? What are the t- products that you guys are making and selling online? Yeah. So we're selling um, Balasongs and Balasong trainers. People commonly refer to them as butterfly knives, but the, the true term is Balasong. Uh, a lot of companies make this particular product as well. But the extra emphasis that we put on is that we have a special focus on the flipping portion of it. So the manipulation where you're doing tricks between your hands, uh, we specialize in that particular part of the balisong industry. Awesome. So take me back in time. Where'd the idea to start a business in this industry come from? Yeah. So, you know, back in 2013, uh, I had just actually just just graduated high school and one of my best buddies lucas he ended up going to our local chinatown and buying a butterfly knife and it um you know really captivated him and and at the time i was really into pen spinning which is an, an incredibly niche hobby for doing tricks with with pens and pencils um and he thought that i would be super interested in it because it it had similar hand dexterity skills i mean they the tricks don't overlap, of course, but they both require intense hand-eye coordination and tight finger dexterity. So uh, he showed it to me, and I was initially a little bit, uh, a little bit scared because uh, doing tricks with, with knives is definitely not a natural thing to do. But over time, I did see the appeal um, as I practiced with it, and you know, eventually, I ended up learning all these tricks and being able to string one together with another to form combinations. And so that I found that find it quite fun. Um, so what ended up happening is that I ended up becoming really active as a collector. You know, I wanted to basically buy the ones that had different uh, weights and, and feels and balance points so that I could optimize my flipping similar to how um, an athlete would you know, choose specific gear, a racket, a club, uh, and it kind of modifies the experience. So I was, I was kind of chasing that dream feeling of what's that best balance? What's the best curvature that fits my hands, my skill level? And in doing so, I joined a lot of online communities and ended up finding others who were interested in this very, very niche hobby. So what ended up happening is that as I joined these communities, I started becoming more active and helping other newcomers make their way into learning to do what 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 I do which is you know flipping and and collecting these incredibly niche products and 
what I saw over time was a trend. I saw that a lot of newcomers were looking for products that were very, very affordable. So to give you some background, you know, the top end of the market was around two to 500. I'm sorry. I'm going to go back. The top end is it could have been upwards of 500 to a thousand, but the entry level price point was around $200, which is relatively expensive for, um, let's say a 12 year old who's looking for something that's maybe maximum $25. So what ended up happening is that I'm, as I'm giving advice and recommendations to all these newcomers is that a lot of people are being turned away because they didn't simply have enough money, uh, and break that barrier to entry. So this happened for quite a few months. And so in 2015, um, I was going to community college. I was actually working at my parents' machine shop. It's a very, very small shop. Um, we only did repair work and some very small products um, in small runs. It was not an advanced shop by any means. We did we had a lot of used equipment. It was very, very old. Um, it, was, it was just enough to get by. It wasn't really a main manufacturing center, but we had quite a bit of equipment. And uh, in our downtime, uh, we had quite a bit of that because unfortunately the business was in decline. Um, you know, I had the idea to perhaps make a Balasong trainer of my own, maybe something that had top tier flipping characteristics, but didn't have the expensive uh, and high build quality of perhaps some of the other brands at the time. So I started po posting my work on Instagram, telling people, hey, I'm going to try to make something of this of this nature and i kind of amassed a, a small following from that and when i ended up releasing the first four units at the end of i think at the end of december it was december of 2015 um i basically posted online i said is, any, is anyone interested and i had i think 30 to 40 people message me um directly saying like hey like I, i'm actually interested in this and so it was uh it kind of shocked me in terms of the uh the popularity that, that people wanted something like this. I, I guess I kind of saw it coming because obviously I wouldn't have done that without the feedback I'd gotten across the couple of years that I had been active online. So seeing that uh, incredible response really motivated me. So what I ended up doing is I, I asked my parents to help me fund a smaller batch of 50 units so that you know I already had the resources at the shop and business was still slow. So, you know, they really didn't have um, much to do. So we were, we were basically going to make my product. So I ended up releasing 50 in February of 2016. I took a, uh, I let everybody know that I was going to do that. And uh, when I sold it, um, when I sold it, I'm sorry, I, I told everyone I would do that and that they could purchase one by pre-ordering it. They basically paid full price, which I, at the time was kind of, um, atypical because typically pre-orders aren't 100% of the cost is typically a little bit lower than that. So I, I find it funny in retrospect. Um, but within 24 hours, I ended up selling all 50 units, uh, which amazed me at the time I had, I had no website. Um, I just had my Instagram profile and, uh, the payments were people uh, sending me PayPal. So, uh, I think that despite having such little uh, proven tracker and I'd only delivered four units um, that people were so hungry for such a product that um, they were willing to trust some random college kid to make them their product. Uh, so I spent six weeks making that and, and I delivered and it, 
it went extremely well. The reception was incredible. And so across the next, you know, across the year, I did a couple more batches and they all went phenomenally. I think that by the end of the summer, I had sold about another 250 units across three batches. I had some manufacturing trouble in between each one. I ended up um, switching some of my classes so that I could take computer aided design. I learned SolarWorks to model the product um, as my parents' business got busy. I ended up sending that work to local machine shops around me so that I could have that outsourced from another company. And then I would just take care of the assembly as usual. And uh, every batch ended up selling quicker and quicker and quicker. Rather than 24, the next one sold in a couple minutes, like two or three minutes. Um, I, I forgot the exact one. I think it was 50 or 100 units. Um, so it was gaining popularity and it was, it was shocking me every single time to see these products like instantly evaporate. So uh, that was really, really exciting for me. But unfortunately, at the end of 2016, that summer, I ended up transferring to UC San Diego for me for mechanical engineering to my parents' delight, but not to mine. Um, so I, I had to take a break. But during that break, you know, where I basically didn't work in the business at all, I, I didn't produce a single unit. I, um, I made plans by ordering a large volume of parts uh, in the, sorry, in the spring of 2017. So when I returned back for the summer of 2017, I had several hundred units. I think I had 400 units worth of parts that I could basically sell. And, you know, luckily I was, I was still very active in the community uh, you know, on social media. And the audience was still strong, if not stronger. So um, I was able to continue the business right where I had left it. And obviously, I'm, I'm only one man. So assembling 400 units is kind of impossible. Um, it is, but I, you know, obviously, it wouldn't be feasible. So I ended up hiring a couple local guys that I had met at um, these meetups, these flipping meetups and collection meetups. So... Uh, when I went back to UC San Diego, I ended up uh, keeping these guys uh, part time, and so they would come in and just you know put together the product. And while I was at San Diego doing my undergrad, I was essentially running things like customer service. I was doing the marketing. Um, I was doing product design. I was ordering the the parts from all these various different vendors. You know, nuts and bolts here. Um, all these different kind of manufacturing centers to get all these parts together so that my team at home could put them together. And that continued on for, for two years. I ended up um, basically running the business remotely. I'd come back each summer, work with them, uh, go back to school and do everything remote. And uh, we'd go to trade shows. I'd fly from San Diego to a trade show. They'd fly from, uh, you know, their home, you know, here there. And, and that's basically how we did the business. Um, now in the fall of 2018, ended up um, we ended up being able to have the opportunity and saved enough money to afford our own manufacturing equipment. Uh, at the time, I was I was a little bit unhappy with the with the timing. You know, our vendor at the time was very very great, great pricing, um, great quality, but wasn't necessarily the best timing. And I was holding us back. We had demand, but you know, our guys would sit around and wait for a product. So I figured, you know. What better way to to expand the business than to make the product ourselves? And so I invested in our first Haas VF2 SS. It's um, 
kind of a, if you're not familiar, it's probably the most common vertical CNC machining uh, center in the United States. It's a USA branded machine from Southern California. And uh, it's not regarded as the best machine in the industry, but it's regarded as the most, uh, I guess the, I guess the best word is bang for your buck, you know, in that price range, it's the, the first real industrial machine for manufacturing. There are hobbyist grade ones, um, but this one is like the first true industrial grade one. So we're all very excited for that. And I ended up um, taking a quarter off. You know, I, I wanted to learn how to use it. So I took a quarter off. This is winter of 2018, December 2018 when we received it. And at that end of the three months, I had learned it. And rather than, rather than actually training somebody and passing on that inf information and going back to school and finishing my, my last year, my undergrad, I ended up buying a second one and I ended up withdrawing from UC San Diego and basically chose to continue the business full time uh, from that point on from March of uh, 2019. So yeah, that's the main you know core of the story. From that point on, um, we added product line, we added people and uh, we've kind of expanded our products to a whole range of price points so that people could um, not only have more affordable options you know, cheaper than the first one I made. Um, but there's also more expensive options for the collectors and the hobbyists and the enthusiasts who are interested in the best materials possible. So I'm trying to really vertically integrate the company so we can do everything under our roof and control the timing and the quality and also the customers and provide them as many options as possible, no matter where they are on the journey. That's amazing, Lucas. All right, I've got a bunch of questions, man. So first and foremost, um, when you did that first initial batch, yeah. you know, after you made the first four prototypes at, mm -hmm. at your parents' machine shop and you did that first batch, did you have any inkling that you were going to be building a business from there? Or was this more going to be a side hustle? You know, I, I, I never, um, you know, at that stage, I, I had, I had absolutely no idea. You know, I, I felt confident that the product would sell. Cause, um, you know, as an enthusiast myself, I was like, man, these are, these are really good. Like, I think people will like these. Um, but I, I didn't imagine it would scale to what it is today. Now, did you brand these knives or were these just like, Hey, I'm Lucas. I made these knives. Yep. That's that. That's, I'm Lucas. Um, so for your reference, for all of your listeners out there. So the, pro the, the company named Squid Industries at the time and, and back then my internet handle on Instagram and all social media platforms is Squidmaster 23. And my first product was called the Squid Trainer. So, you know, I make Balasong trainers. And so the first product was called the Squid Trainer. So I didn't have a brand name at the time. I didn't have a company established, but I did name the, the first product. And then from that Squid theme, I ended up um, adding the word industries. It also wasn't branded as well. There's no logo on it, by the way, just for the reference. There's, there's nothing on it. <laughs> Absolutely. So when did the business like become named and it become like an i guess an entity for lack of a better term yeah that's a, that's a really um good question i would i'd say that after the um i think that when i sold the first ford and then i decided to make the first 50 i think it was after the very first batch of 50 that i decided to to name it because the first batch of 50, I actually just, I serialized them one through 50, but I still didn't have any wording on it. But after that batch of 50, um, I, I actually put Squid Industries on it. So I would say 
yeah, right around the time that I, um, yeah, after that, it's, so it was probably like March of 2016, if, if I had to, if I had to guess. Absolutely. But you weren't letting a name get in the way of selling a product and, and testing the market and see if it was a good idea. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, it, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, and we can go down a huge rabbit hole, but uh, naming was, is actually is and was the, the most, one of the more challenging parts of the, of the business because I'm extremely strict on what the product are going to be named. Um, for one, I need everything to be aquatic themed. Uh, because I, I feel like that makes a, uh, I don't know, it, it creates a better story. And I, and I, I personally find it fun that, the, that, the, that there's a theme. Uh, two, it needs to sound cool. Not everything aquatic theme sounds actually cool. Cool is obviously a very subjective term. Yeah. Um, and three, it, it, it can't be something that's already in use. So the knife industry loves aquatic themed uh, names. Uh, and unfortunately, the, the pool is very small. So my options are dwindling. And so... Uh, not only that, I consider the amount of syllables and the, the bigger the word, um, the more expensive I try to put that name to a product and the smaller the word and I try to make that. Um, so yeah, it, it gets a, it gets a hilariously difficult, um, more challenging than I think it should be, but. Absolutely. I guess that where I was going at from it though was just from a getting started perspective and going from zero to one. Yeah. You made these products, you got out there and sold them before you really had quote unquote the busy work for a business done. You didn't have a name, you didn't have a website, you didn't have an LLC or anything. You were just mm -hmm. selling the product, which I think is a big barrier for a lot of young entrepreneurs is they think they have to do that busy work first. Yeah. Um that's a that's a really good point, Jason. You know, I I guess for for me and my story um and what I tell others is that like it, it was successful because of the passion that I had. You know, I I myself was so invested in the product and, and I was a user of my own product. And that's, that's what inspired me to, to create it. Um, and so I was already very invested and well aware of the, of the needs of the community. And so, uh, finding the audience, finding the market to sell it to was, was very natural because I, I recognized that hole in the market and I was able to, to fill it. Um, and I, and I think that I had kind of skipped over a lot of those traditional steps of establishing, you know, common elements, uh, because I was, even though I was confident that it would, it would be a good sell, I, um, I guess I was still verifying that by kind of documenting the story online and posting online and kind of inviting people to show their interest, um, rather than spend a bunch of time and money up front kind of developing behind the scenes and then releasing and then seeing what would happen. So I think I just wanted to get it to market as fast as possible. And, and um, at the time I had no expectations, no one had any expectations of me. So, you know, I, I was only interested in making the best product possible. I, I didn't really care about the other elements like brand name and website and, uh, you know, when I, when I shipped those products, I actually wrapped them in paper towel and then a, f a single layer of foam. And that's how I shipped it. So as a, as a packaging experience, that's absolutely horrid. Um, <laughs> and it's funny to look back on the photos now, but, um, I think it contributed to the success because I was really only interested in one 
one thing, and that's what kind of gave me focus, and that was to make the best product possible, and everything else was secondary. So, absolutely. You mentioned earlier that you had a team helping you part time yep. while you were still in school, and you were focusing on the marketing elements. Could you share? Anything around how many units you're selling or maybe what gross was like during that time of the business? Um, hard to remember all the data from back then. You know, since we weren't manufacturing our own products, you know, we were um, kind of working on these batches where like we'd order a considerable amount and then kind of work through it. Um, you know, if, if I had to, if I had to take an educated, estimated guess, I would say that at that time we were moving around, you know, in the first year um, that I did that, maybe like 50 units a month, uh, sometimes less. And, uh, and then perhaps the year, you know, after that, like 2018, before I got the first machine, uh, maybe like 60 or 70 units a month, but it, it was, it was very low. Sometimes we'd have months with no product people that we just, we just didn't have anything. We either, um, have a delay on the vendors or we just would sell them faster than we expected. Um, so it was very, very sporadic. There's very, there's no schedule in whatsoever. There's a lot of high months and a lot of low months. And, uh, yeah. And, and it, it often went back to just not having the product available. So when you got the machine and you were now in control of the manufacturing, mm-hmm. how did that kind of change the velocity of production? Yeah. Well, um, it's funny you mentioned that the velocity went down, um, because, it actually took me a little bit more time than I expected to learn the technology. I, I'd done all this homework uh, to like figure it out beforehand, but obviously running equipment and uh, watching videos on how to run equipment are, are not the same thing. So um, vertically integrating uh, is a beautiful thing to do, but it is uh, much more challenging than I think most people anticipate. I guess obviously it depends on the industry, but manufacturing itself is a it's a fairly challenging industry to take on and i was very lucky that i had my parents space to to do that you know i think that for other businesses it's easy to start in your own garage your own home uh, an apartment but for manufacturing an, an actual machine that requires an immense amount of electrical uh you know i was very lucky that was an opportunity for me um that i think others might not have had, you know, to have the, just the space, the actual c- concrete and the, um, and the power to, to run it. So that was very fortunate for me. Hey, everybody. I just wanted to take a few moments to talk about a partnership we've had at the agency for years. Electric Eye and Recharge have been partners for longer than I can remember. Recharge is our go-to solution for clients when it comes to subscriptions. At Electric Eye, we know the ins and outs of Recharge. For example, we've set up replenishment subscriptions for consumables, created countless subscribe and save campaigns, and most recently, we got a client into a Recharge beta program to utilize Recharge's dynamic bundling solution for subscriptions. We've partnered with Recharge to solve subscription, loyalty, and membership for a div- diverse range of clients spanning industries like food and beverage, automotive, supplements, CPG, and beauty. Not only is Recharge an incredible partner, 
They've been paving the way for subscription solutions longer than anyone else in the game. The product is unmatched, giving them a massive advantage against the competition. Clients often come to us because they've struggled to find agencies that truly understand how to harness the power of recharge. We're not just familiar, we're bona fide recharge experts. It's one of our specialties. It's a pain point we're happy to solve. As a top tier recharge expert, we have unparalleled access to support and resources that ensure we'll have a successful outcome. We stay appraised of all their new feature releases and compatibilities, bundling, memberships, flows, you name it, we know it. So. If subscriptions, memberships, or loyalty are on your to-do list and you're ready to have it done, just let us know. Visit electriceye.io slash recharge today to learn more about how we can tailor Recharge's robust product to your specific needs. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Y-E dot I-O slash R-E-C-H-A-R-G-E. Let the experts at Electric Eye get it done the right way the first time. Join the ranks of our satisfied clients who partnered with us and recharged to harness recurring revenue within their business. All right, I want you to picture this. You're an e-commerce merchant juggling multiple platforms to manage your email marketing, SMS campaigns, and product reviews. It's a time-consuming and costly ordeal. But with Sendlane, those days of chaos are long gone. Sendlane brings together the power of email, SMS, and reviews all in one convenient place. So you can say goodbye to the hassle of separate tools and hello to simplified operations, increased efficiency, unified customer experience, and huge savings. And I haven't even gotten to the best part. With the all-new free Sendlane reviews, you can leverage social proof to build trust and credibility with potential customers. Let me say that again. Free product reviews. With Sendlane, you pay for email and SMS and you get reviews for free. Sendlane understands that customer feedback is essential for the success of any e-commerce business. That's why they've made an integral part of their platform without any additional cost to you. By unifying these key components of your tech stack, Sendlane helps you save time and money all while generating more revenue. Don't let your e-commerce tech stack hold you back. Embrace the unifying force of Sendlane and take your business to new heights. Sign up today and experience the power of streamlined operations, increased efficiency, and revenue growth. Visit sendlane.com slash honest to learn more and schedule your free consultation with a Sendlane expert. That's sendlane.com slash honest. When you kind of worked the kinks out of the process and you decided to double down on the machining and to drop out of school, how did that change the business? What happened? Yeah. So, you know, I was really happy that I was able to create um new product lines with it and be much more versatile you know it's for manufacturing um prototyping is extremely expensive most manufacturing is done in batch work uh you know most of the work done is in the setup so when you do the programming you you know do the physical arranging of uh, the fixtures in the machine and the tools and that takes most of the actual hard work um once all of that is set up and it's been verified um, loading in, you know, bars of metal and letting the machine do its thing and churn it out. Um, that's the easy part. You just kind of just sit and, and wait for it. Obviously, there's more than that, but a bulk majority of the work is, is up front, which is why prototyping is so expensive. You know, for, for two units, uh, let's say, you know, when I was trying to outsource the work, um, you know, two handles, okay, would be $150 each, uh, so if I wanted to make a revision, I'd be paying, you know, 
$300. Um, but if I were to order, let's say 200 handles, they'd only be $8 each because of the, the scale of manufacturing. So the versatility was really important. You know, when I, when I made a product, I could easily make little modifications with little to no cost because I just changed little tweaks, numbers here and there. Um, and it also let me control the, uh, of course, the quality, you know, you know, when we run into certain issues, customers would give us feedback. I could easily implement that in the past. If I had made a design error and I had ordered hundreds of parts from a manufacturer, well, I'm, I'm kind of stuck with that design error because I've, I've committed because the manufacturer has most likely completed all of them. You know, if I was lucky, they delivered in phases and I'd be able to change it in the middle, but that's rare. So the versatility was, was really important. Uh, for that and also just controlling uh, the, the quantity you know the timing you know I could choose um, how to order things if I saw popularity in one product I could schedule that ahead of the other one um, and I could reduce quantity or increase increase quantity um, so yeah it's it a very very powerful thing to ma manufacture analysis awesome so once you worked out the kind of velocity issue with with the product um and you were no longer kind of bounded by that how did you expand your marketing and get more customers and more eyes on your product yeah so uh, i think that for us uh we at the beginning we mainly did influencer marketing you know i i was friends with and was aware of a majority of the people who are good at flipping, um, I think most people who are good at flipping typically like to share their unique flipping routines and tricks and combinations. Um, sometimes it'll take them weeks, months, or years to like develop the skills necessary to put them together. So, uh, and the community is very, very tightly knit. You know, it's a very niche community, so it's easy to to know who's the best. And um, those are the people that I approached and say, "Hey, like I'd love to sponsor you." Um, and provide your product. And so that's mainly what I did, you know, apart from standard marketing, you know, like newsletter and social media posts and um, whatnot. So yeah, it was mainly just contacting as many of the best, you know, flippers in the community and just providing them with product and hoping that they'd be willing to, to work with me. And, um, and most of them did. Uh, I think it's because you know, at the time, we were the only brand to really focus on flipping. There, like I said before, there's a lot of other um, companies that make products just like us, um, but they didn't have that emphasis and that background. You know, they, other companies were just interested in making a product that you know had, let's say, good build quality, but necessarily not necessarily balance and ergonomics made specifically for flipping. Absolutely. Now, um, so my listeners would, you know, be mad at me if I didn't ask. Because of the type of product you're selling, you know, is it considered a, a vice product per se? And are you not allowed to use some more traditional advertising mediums like Meta or Google? Yeah, yeah, you're you're, you're right. Um, you know, we we tried to run Facebook and Instagram ads, and they would flag them as uh, dangerous items, and so that that definitely narrowed um, our advertising window. So. That was, um, that is one of the challenges. And so we, we've obviously just tried to find as many different avenues of, of advertising as possible that, that aren't those particular ones. Absolutely. Uh, Lucas, I've asked you a million questions today, but is there anything I didn't ask you about that you think would resonate with our audience? 
That's a, that's an excellent question. I, I would say that, you know, for, um, what I think it's something that I could provide is, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, Lucas, I have an idea and it requires manufacturing and I, and I want to get that product to market. You know, like, what do I, what do I do? Right. I mean, this is assuming someone has no idea how anything is made and they don't know who to talk to. Manufacturing is a huge industry and there are hundreds, thousands, if not tens of thousands of different processes that you could outsource. So, um, you know, for us, you know, we, we had to use five, or six different manufacturing companies or vendors to, to assemble the product, which is honestly not that many, but some other products might require many more. Uh, and so that, that means you might have to talk to that many companies. But what I typically recommend to, to people in that position is that the first and most important thing is to be able to convey that idea, uh, whether to yourself or to others. So I always recommend that people learn some form of computer-aided design. So that would be CAD. Um, right now, the, one of the most, if not the most common one is Fusion 360. That would be the one that I would personally recommend. I think the cost and, is relatively affordable and it's very powerful and it has a lot of support. It's a huge community. Um, the one that I learned on from my local community college was SolidWorks. SolidWorks um, is an excellent tool and you know it's a similar environment, still pyramid parametric modeling. So I'll say the first step is just learning how to put it into a computer and then seeing an actual 3D model of it. Um, and then beyond that, I typically recommend that people learn how to do 3D printing. I think that 3D printing uh, has gotten to a point where it's extremely accessible. Um, you could go online and buy it, or an affordable printer for you know only a couple hundred bucks now. And that allows you to uh, not necessarily test your product, but it allows you to at least work out some of the design elements that perhaps you might not have uh, seen in a virtual environment. And um, it definitely helps with a lot of the verification processes. So I, I think that 3D printing allows you to iterate and uh, it accelerates your prototyping process. Um, so yeah, those would be the first two uh, steps. You know, I, I wouldn't recommend everyone to just start buying their own machines and CNC machines is trying to do it on their own because um, it's a huge commitment for space, you know, leasing the, the area and buying the equipment. So once you, if you're past that 3D printing stage and you're confident that you have a, a working model and you could, you could ship that, then I would say try talking to manufacturers who have a lot of different processes under their belt, you know, a, a true job shop um, rather than a focused shop that only does one process, you find a shop that does a variety of processes so that you can hopefully find someone that can give you, uh, you know, a turnkey solution. Uh, you know, they can do everything under one roof. You only have to work with one partner, uh, one company, so that uh, it's really easy to communicate everything effectively uh, versus, you know, working with five companies where you now have to assemble those products and you're, you're hoping that all five guys are making the products to the right tolerances so that they fit together, um, which is more challenging than, than it appears. Absolutely, Lucas. Uh, I can tell just by that explanation there, the quality of the product that you guys are selling. If I'm listening and I'm curious about flipping, about bell songs, butterfly knives, trainers, where should I go to check it out? Yeah. So I, I would say, um, you know, first is to check out our website. That would be squidindustries.co. Um, if you're curious to know what flipping looks like or you want to learn, you know, on our YouTube channel, um, we also have tutorials and 
know, all sorts of videos on, you know, from beginner to intermediate to advanced. We have a whole host of videos to learn. And if you're looking for some interesting and fun content for just watching what flipping is, then I say check out our Instagram at Squid Industries Co. Um, you know, we repost uh, some of our best flippers on our team and a lot of community made content. And um, yeah, that's where you'll find us. Awesome. Lucas, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was pleasure to be on the show, Chase. Thanks so much for having me. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own businesses. You can find all the links in the show notes. You can subscribe to the newsletter at honestycommerce.co to get each episode delivered right into your inbox. If you're enjoying this content, consider leaving a review on iTunes that really helps us out. Lastly, if you're a store owner looking for an amazing partner to help you get your Shopify store to the next level, reach out to Electric Eye at electriceye.io slash connect. Until next time.